Today we are continuing our series on Psalms, and the Psalm that we're looking at today is Psalm 32. Understanding this is a Psalm of David. I want us to read it from the New Living Translation, and I want to just tell you, it is awesome. David writes, and he says, Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those who, whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away, and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Therefore, let all the godly pray to you while there is still time, that they may not drown in the floodwaters of judgment. For you are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with songs of victory. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Do not be like a senseless horse or mule that needs a bed and bridle to keep it under control. Many sorrows come to the wicked, but unfailing love surrounds those who trust the Lord. So rejoice in the Lord and be glad, all you who obey him. Shout for joy, all you whose hearts are pure. I've named this psalm the joy of salvation. See, it saddens me to observe how so many Christians live out their Christianity. Not only do they not display any joy, they display attitudes of pessimism and gloom and resentment and unthankfulness, and the list negatively could just go on and on. The world looks at saints like this and says, no thanks, (laughs) No, no thanks, I already have enough problems. How tragic. Amen? How tragic. Now, now please don't misunderstand me this morning. I'm not saying that Christians don't have any problems. I'm not saying that we uh, must bat a thousand every time, you know, and I'm not saying that we will never have a bad day or we will never portray a temporary bad attitude. We're human. We're human, but what I am saying this morning is that there should be some joy in our salvation. And I believe joy in our salvation is possible, and I believe that it should be pursued. Well, if you'll read the story of David, you will, you will see that, 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 that David had it, lost it, and regained it. Perhaps someone listening today will relate to David. 
Well, there are five things that I want to point out this morning, five things that I, that I see in Psalm 32 as they relate to the joy of our salvation. The first thing that I see in Psalm 32 is I see the position of the righteous. The position of the righteous. We see that in verses 1 and 2. David writes and he says, Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven is what? What joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt. What is the position of the righteous? What is the position of the saints? The position of the righteous is we are saved by God's grace. That's our position, saved by the, by the grace of Almighty God. But grace is so hard to grasp. Grace, and especially people in my generation who grew up under what we grew up, grace is so hard to grasp especially for Americans. Because Americans have been taught, you know, you work hard and you're rewarded for your works. It's all about working hard and getting rewarded. But grace has absolutely nothing to do with our works and everything to do with the work of God. See, see, grace is God's free gift of salvation, bought and paid for by the blood of his son, Jesus Christ, and offered to us on a silver platter. Grace is not worked for, it's not earned, it's not given as a reward. No, no, grace is the freely given, unmerited love and favor of God. Grace is a gift, and a gift is not a gift if it's worked for. I said a gift is not a gift if you have to work for it. That would make it a reward. That would make it a salary. That would make it a a payment for services rendered. But Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9, I quote almost every Sunday, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And Paul says you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. And he goes on to say, salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. See, see, one of the reasons why some Christians have no joy is because they place too much pressure on themselves to perform. They see salvation as performance-based. Salvation is not based on our performance. If salvation was based upon our performance, all of us would go to hell. Because the Bible says that we have all sinned. I wonder what all means. All have sinned, the Bible says, and fall short of God's glorious standard. We can never meet the standard of God. We can never on our own ever meet the requirements for salvation. That's why grace is so wonderful. And that is we don't have to meet the requirements. The requirements have already been met for us through the Lord Jesus Christ and his shed blood upon the cross. Somebody shout amen this morning. No, we are not saved based upon our performance, but based upon our position. Say position. 
We are not saved based on our works, but based upon Christ's work on the cross. So let me tell you this morning, the next time Satan tries to point out your poor performance, point him to your position. Now, am I saying that performance doesn't matter? How many think I'm saying that? Am I saying that performance doesn't matter? Absolutely not. Paul said, shall we continue to sin that grace may abound? He said, God forbid, or don't be an idiot. It's what he was saying. He's trying to be nice. Here's what I know about our performance. Our performance is based, or our performance is determined by our history, our culture, our level of Christian maturity, the teaching that we have or the teacher that, teaching that we have not received, and the list goes on and on and on and on. But please understand this, and that is our performance will determine the degree of our rewards. We are not saved based upon our performance, but we will be rewarded based upon our performance. How many understand the difference this morning? Our salvation is based on our dependency. Our dependency not upon our works, but upon our total dependency upon the finished work of the cross. And especially, especially our dependency upon the Christ of the cross. We're talking about the joy of salvation this morning. Joy in salvation can only be found by understanding the position of the righteous. And the position of the righteous is that we are saved by grace. Second thing that we see in Psalm 32 is we see the pressure of the rebellious. The pressure of the rebellious. I see this in verses 3 through 5. Let me read it to you. David says, when I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away and I groaned all day long. He writes and he says, day and night, talking to God, day and night your hand of discipline, say discipline. Day and night your hand of discipline was heavy on me. Finally, he said, I confess my sins to you and stop trying to hide my guilt. David said, I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Understand this this morning, everyone fails from time to time. Yes, even you. Everyone fails from time to time. Some uh, in a major way, in some in minor ways. You know, we do better at times than we do at other times. The problem, the problem is we see our failures as minor and everyone else's as major. You know, sometimes people point out to me somebody else's flaws. Yeah, they do. Pastor, do you know? So, uh, uh, uh. Sometimes people point out to me somebody's, someone else's flaws, but the attitude in which they point out these flaws with is worse than the flaw that they're pointing out. Here's the good news. The Holy Spirit convicts us when we sin. <laughs> Pastor, that's good news? <laughs> Absolutely. Wonderful news. Amen. I am so glad. Can't speak for you, but I am so glad that God cares enough about me to correct me. 
Hebrews 12 says that God disciplines those he loves. And when God disciplines me, when God corrects me, when God convicts me, that's him showing his love to me. And it goes on to say that God's correction will benefit us by producing a harvest of right living. David said in verse 4 of Psalm 32, he says, Day and night your hand of discipline was heavy on me. And John 16 and 8 says that the Holy Spirit convicts of sin. David possessed the joy of salvation, but he lost his joy through his sin of adultery with Bathsheba. The Holy Spirit convicted David and used Nathan the prophet to call him out on it. Eventually, David repents, cries out to God to restore the joy that he lost. I don't know, perhaps that's you today. Perhaps you too have lost the joy of your salvation. Ah, it's not that you're not saved. It's not that you're on your way to hell. But, but, but whatever happened to the joy that is unspeakable and full of glory, the joy of the Lord that is your strength, the joy that you used to have in your life, but that joy has been lost. Where is that joy? Maybe you, as David was, you have lost the joy of your salvation. It might be because of unconfessed sin in your life. That was David's problem at the time. It could be because you are angry at God because, because God isn't working on a certain situation. He's not working on a certain issue in your life. He's not working on it as fast as you think he ought to be. And you're angry at God. I don't know, it could be that you are living in disobedience. Maybe you're living in disobedience to the Word of God. You know the Word of God and you are living in disobedience or you are living in rebellion perhaps to His plan for your life. God has a plan for your life. He's revealed His plan for your life, but you are not walking in His plan. You are not walking in His perfect will. And because of that, somewhere along the way, the joy of the Lord has has evaporated. It is gone from your life. Whatever the particulars are, you are you, whatever it is, but, but because of that, you are not in alignment spiritually. You know, when your car gets out of alignment, it just doesn't, it just doesn't steer right, does it? It just doesn't, you know, it doesn't feel right, it doesn't handle right, it, just all kinds of things, you know. And, and it's because you're, you're out of alignment. And so if you get it realigned, then it's a whole lot, handles a whole lot better. Listen, a lot of people, a lot of, it's not that they're not saved, but, they're, but, but the thing is that they've allowed their life to get out of alignment with the perfect will of God for their life. Whatever the particulars are, you're not in, a, in alignment spiritually. You're, you're going against perhaps God's word or going against his will and you're aware of it. The Holy Spirit will convict us and endeavor to correct us and that's a good thing. He will apply the pressure. Oh, you think of the Holy Spirit only as the gentle dove and thank God for the gentle dove of the Holy Spirit. But I'm going to tell you that the Holy Spirit can make you feel uncomfortable. The Holy Spirit can, 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 can put the pressure on like no one or no one else can. And, and, and he does that. He will apply the pressure and, and, and peace will be noticeably absent. Oh, all of a sudden, a sense of anxiety and struggle and uneasiness will be a constant in our spirit. 
the pressure of the rebellious put on us by the Holy Spirit as he convicts us, as he corrects us, in order to get us to repent and get us back in proper alignment with the Father. And that's what he wants today. He wants us to be in proper alignment, walking in the will of of the Father, walking according to the Word of God and walking according to the ways of God and being in alignment, amen, to the will of God for our own personal lives. And all of these things the Holy Spirit does. He does this as an act of love. He does this for our benefit. Which leads us to the third thing that I see in this psalm, and that is I see the pardon of the remorseful. The pardon of the remorseful. Verse number five, it says, Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. And you forgave me, and all my guilt is gone. Remember that? Remember that? Remember the first time that God took guilt from you? Remember the first time God lifted that load of sin off of your life? Remember that time when the peace, oh, that passes all understanding began to flood your soul and flood your spirit? Remember that? Someone needs to hear this today, and that is guilt is released through repentance. Guilt is released through repentance. David was eaten up with guilt for what he had done. And he should have been. Hello? I I said he should have been. What he did was horrendous. He committed adultery with another man's wife. And then when she became pregnant, uh, he had her husband killed in order to cover up what he had done. David should feel guilt. Hello? Hello? But as bad as the sin was, as guilty as he felt because of it, he was released of his guilt through repentance. Somebody needs to hear this this morning. If you have sinned, repent of it. I said, if you have sinned, repent of it. And then allow yourself to be released from the guilt of that sin. See, see, some of you have been carrying around guilt over sins of the past, sins that you committed years ago. And over and over and over, you continually repent of that sin. And God doesn't even know what you're talking about because God, the moment that we, that we repent of our sin, God, God of his own consciousness, God forgets that sin. Cast it behind his back. Cast it as far as the east is from the west. The homemade scripture says he casts our sins in the sea of forgetfulness, never to be remembered against us anymore. How many remember that scripture quoted? It's not in the Bible just like that, but you put two or three together and that's what it says. Some of you are going to be looking that up. I said, some of you have been carrying around guilt for sins, oh, of the past that you have repented of. In fact, you continually repent of those past sins. Stop it. Let it go. God has. God's scratching his head saying, what? I don't know what you're talking about. Gets in his computer, looks back, back, back. He can't find it. Isaiah 43 and 25, God says, I will blot out. Say blot out. I will blot out your sins and will never remember them again. Oh, hear me this morning. God offers pardon for the remorseful. Here's what we need to do with sin. Admit it. 
quit it and forget it. Hello? All right, let's, let's take a look at the fourth thing that I see in this psalm. And that, that, the fourth thing that I see in this psalm is I see the protection of the reliant. The protection of the reliant. We see this in verses 6 through 10. Let me reread it for you. Let all the godly pray to you while there is still time, so that they will not drown in the floodwaters of judgment. For you are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you. I will watch over you. Many sorrows may come to the wicked, but unfailing love surrounds those who trust in the Lord. Don't you just love these verses? Two of you do. Amen. The protection of the reliant. Here's what I know. That is those who depend on the Lord. Will find him dependable. Those who depend on the Lord will find him dependable. No, he probably won't do it the way you want him to do it. He probably won't do it our way. He probably won't do it on our timetable, but he will do it and he will do it the right way and he will do it the best way. He will do it his way. And Psalms 18 and 30 says that God's ways are perfect. Well, here's what I've discovered and what I've come to believe, and that is not perfect to us, but perfect to him. His ways are perfect, but not necessarily to us, but perfect to him. Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9, he explains. And he says, hey, he says, my thoughts are not like your thoughts. I don't have a peanut brain like you do, says the Lord. (laughs) That's the Benson Revised Version there. God says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. Oh, and my ways are far beyond anything you could ever imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Hear me this morning. We may or may not recognize God's hand of protection. I said we may or we may not recognize God's hand of protection. This absolute dependableness. We may or may not recognize it. Listen, here's what I know. and That is much of what God does for us will not be fully known to us until we get on the other side, until we get to heaven. And then when we get to heaven, we're not even going to care. But by faith, we place our total confidence in him. Depending upon him to work in every single detail of our life. Hear me this morning, it's all about trust. Oh, the more I read the word and the more I walk with the Lord, the more I understand it's all about trust. We either trust him or we do not trust him. I don't know about you, but I choose to trust him. All right, let's, let's look at the fifth and the final thing that I see in this psalm. That is, we see the passion of the redeemed. The passion of the redeemed. We see this in verse number 11. He, David says, he says, So rejoice in the Lord and be glad. Oh, all you who obey him, shout for joy. All you whose hearts are pure. I've named this psalm the joy of salvation. Do you have any joy? In your salvation. 
I said, do you have any joy in your salvation? Do you have any passion for your Savior? Oh, you might say, but pastor, if you only knew my circumstances, if you only knew my situation, oh, if you only knew what I was walking through right now. Listen, listen, I'm not trying to be unsympathetic to your circumstances, your situation, or whatever you're walking through today. Oh, but I'm not talking about your temporary circumstances right now. I'm talking about your eternal salvation. I'm not talking about your situation. I'm talking about your Savior. Oh, let me, let me say it like this this morning. Our greatest joy comes from his presence. Our greatest joy comes from his presence. That's P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E. Not his presence. P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S. See, some of you only have joy in his P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S, his gifts, his gifts. He's kind of like some glorified Santa Claus handing out gifts and toys. Oh, he's some kind of genie in a bottle that you just want to, you know, just rub the bottle and out comes Jesus and he just gives you everything. And, and your joy only comes in joyful situations and circumstances. And your joy is dependent upon all that is going on and happening in your life. But I'm telling you this morning that, that the true joy, the true joy has nothing to do with his P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S. T-S, but true joy has everything to do with his P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E. I don't know about you, but I walk with him and I talk with him and I read his word and I have a visitation from him. And sometimes the glory of God comes down as I worship him and I feel his nearness and I feel his presence. Oh, oh, you talk about the joy that is unspeakable and full of glory. It's in his presence. Oh, in his presence, there is fullness of joy. So my recommendation and encouragement for you today is get in his presence. Forget about the P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S and start focusing upon his P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E. Get in his presence and the joy of the Lord will be yours. I love his presence. I love his presence. In his presence is fullness of joy. Psalm 16 and verse 11 says, you will show me the way of life granting me the joy of your presence, P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E. How granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forevermore. And Nehemiah 8 and 10 tells us the joy of the Lord is our strength. The reason why you are weak and feeble, the reason why you have no strength is because you have lost your joy. Oh, you need to be like Uh, David was and cry out restore unto me Lord the joy of my salvation our takeaway today God doesn't want to just save us it's not all about salvation oh that's the most important absolutely 100% but it's not just about salvation God doesn't doesn't just want to save us he wants to spend time with us He wants to spend time with us. He doesn't want to just give us a bunch of rules and regulations. He wants to develop a relationship. A relationship. I don't do really good with rules and regulations. I really don't. It's part of my personality. I don't do real good with rules and regulations, but I'm so glad that as far as God is concerned, it's not just about rules and regulations. It's about a relationship. 
and the rules and the regulations, and there are still many, many, many applicable that are in this book. But they're for our good. They're to better our life and to help us develop the relationship with the Lord that he so desperately wants in our lives. Don't get so caught up in all the things that are going on, all the hoorah that we're going through right now and everything and all the stuff and all the junk and all that. And if we ever needed the joy of our salvation, it's now. Get in his presence. In his presence is where the joy is. Father, I thank you for your infallible, life-altering, life-changing, miracle-working word. God, I just pray today that you will help us. Help us, oh God. Lord, if there are those that have lost the joy of their salvation, even as David did, I pray today they will regain that joy. They'll repent of whatever it is that has stolen that joy and they will be refreshed again in your, oh, in your wonderful presence where joy abounds.